Well, good morning. My name is Pastor Keith. I'm the discipleship pastor here, and I have the honor and privilege of speaking to you today. And you can see that our theme is at the movies. And when you walked in, that smell of buttery popcorn is true. It's out there in the cafe. It is completely free to you. Please take 17 bags on your way home. Why not, huh? The more the merrier. My kids were spilling it everywhere already. And I was like, guys, come on now. This is nuts. So, but that is, yes, the popcorn's free. So me, Pastor Joe, and Pastor Bob are doing this series um, at the movies. And I am up first. I guess, you know, since it's summertime, I'm the leadoff batter. But really, we've had so much rain, all the baseball's been canceled, so I don't know if that short that analogy is really going to work. So let's pray real quick, and then we'll get into my lesson. So let's pray. God, you are really good to us. Um, sometimes we realize that, sometimes we don't, and I, sometimes I don't recognize that even in my own life. So God, I just pray that as uh, we dissect this movie, that you would speak to us, and, and maybe when we go to other movies, when we look at other things, that we would see where you're working um, in our lives and what it is that about these movies or stories that really uh, transcends into our life and that we feel like, hey, this is, this is a good thing. So God, I just pray that you would speak clearly through me. Uh, give me the words. Let me be your vessel, and I pray this all in your precious name. Amen. So as, as I started to really formulate this series and start thinking about it, I was like, well, why do we go to movies in the first place? I think that's, that's a really good question that, you know, why do people go to movies? And as I was joking about earlier, we go to a lot of movies right now in Pennsylvania because of all the rain, because there's just nothing else to do, all right? But besides that, we like to be entertained. Isn't that true? I mean, there's not one of us. Thank you. Amen. I'm getting an amen already here. So at least, the, And so again, we like to be entertained. There's something fun about going to the movies, seeing something that you've never seen before. Like I can tell you, for instance, I can remember when I was a little kid, when I saw the first Jurassic Park film, all right? When you saw the dinosaurs the first time, I was like, that was like a movie moment for me. I was like... That's what I always thought they would look like, you know what I mean? Even though they weren't real. But in my head, I was like, that's what I thought they'd look like, you know? There's just something about that magical movie moment that you're like, ah. Maybe it was, a, I mean, you can think of other times or movie moments for you that it was just special for you. It was something awesome. You're like, that was amazing. We go to movies because we want to escape as well. Maybe, you know, had a rough day, you've been having a rough go at it. And so you can just spend two, three hours, you know what I mean, totally engrossed into this film. And sometimes you get emotionally attached into it that you may shed a tear at the end or not about it. But we love that. What we really love, I think, is good stories. I mean, whether it's in a book, whether it's in a movie, whether someone tells it to you, there's just something about hearing a great story that just connects with you, that you love it. And telling a great story is all about this. And go ahead and bring up my, my slide about it. It's about telling, you know, an arc, a storytelling arc, which is most great story deal with some sort of conflict, a buildup of tension, then a climactic moment, that's the climax, and then a consequences, then a resolution. It takes you full circle. That, that's what a great story does, okay? Have you ever been to an independent film? All right, you paid 12 bucks for it, and you walked out and you go, what in the world happened there? I didn't understand any of it. It's because they don't follow arcs. They try, to, they try to bypass those things, and you go, what was that? We love it whenever it brings us all the way up and all the way down. The deeper level, I think, why we love movies as well is there's, I call it the, the, the idea of a mere movie, or is it when we see the main character, when we see the change that happens in their lives, we kind of mirror that with our own lives and go, how would I respond to that? If that going through that conflict or having that thing happen in my life or maybe losing that person, how would I respond? And so we mirror our lives with theirs and we try to kind of match it up and go, how would I respond to it? And great movies do that great. 
The movie I want to talk about is Star Wars Rogue One. Now, I will openly admit I'm a full-on Star Wars nerd. I like it, all right? If you want to make fun of me, that's fine, all right? Make fun of my children, not me to my face. How about that? I got four of them. And they can handle it much better than I can. But there's nothing I don't think bad about Star Wars. I mean, it's a redeeming story of hope and, and hope and love and, you know, and, you know, redemption. And I really just enjoy them. And so Star Wars Rogue One takes place in the whole series of, of the Star Wars in between episode three and episode four. So episode three is when, you know, Anakin becomes Darth Vader, okay? Episode four is when Luke shows up and blows up the Death Star, all right? So this is taking place before that in Star Wars lore and logup. And so I'm going to introduce you to some people to help you understand this. The main character is Jin Erso, okay? She is the daughter of Galen Erso. Galen is a gifted scientist. Galen is the one who's at work at the Death Star, all right? He's the main scientist on the Death Star. He's building this huge planet killer. That's what, it's a starship that blows up other planet. Orson Krennic is the guy in charge of the overall project for the Death Star. And Orson is, you know, Krennic is the bad guy. And he's a really good bad guy in this movie. Like, there's nothing redeeming about him. You don't like him at all. He plays such a good bad guy. And so what happens is, is Krennic needs Galen to come back and help him finish it because Galen's essentially quit working on the project because he was morally opposed to it. He didn't think that it was right. And Lyra is obviously the, the, uh, the mother of Jin and the wife of Galen Urso. And so this is the first clip that I want to show you. And you're going to see that there's some conflict in it. Go ahead and roll that footage. Hard man to find, Galen. But farming. Really? Man of your talents? It's a peaceful life. It's lonely, I imagine. Since Leo died, yes. Oh. Oh. My condolences. Search the house! What is it you want? The work has stalled. I need you to come back. I won't do it, Krennic. We were on the verge of greatness. We were this close to providing peace and security for the galaxy. You're confusing peace with terror. Well, you have to start somewhere. I'd be of no help, Krennic. My mind just isn't what it was. I have trouble remembering. Even simple things. You're an inspired scientist, but you're a terrible liar. Now, I admire the effort, I really do. Oh, look, here's Lyra back from the dead. It's a miracle. Stop! Oh, Lyra. Troublesome as ever. You're not taking him. No, of course I'm not. I'm taking you all. As hostages. As heroes of the Empire. No. Put it down. You will never win. Do it. They have 
your child. Find it. My child. storytelling, we want to establish conflict. Here's this girl, Jen Urso, who again sees her mother murder before. We don't really know what, what happens to her father, and then some mysterious dude shows up and takes her. So we're establishing what, what's really going on in this life. Like what, what's, what could be possibly, you know, you know, going on. And again, it's trying to create, what, more questions that there's answers for. And that's what great movies do. That's what great storytelling does. But it's trying to show you that what? Life didn't go exactly how Jin probably wanted it to. Not, one of us, not many of us want to lose both of our family members in this same day. And that's exactly what's going to happen to her. And it's going to set her course of her life down a, a trajectory that she probably didn't want. And when by losing her family, what happened is, is it's going to create a lot of anger, frustration, you know, bitterness you know, in Jen's life. And that's going to carry on in the rest of the film that you're going to see. And I think as I started to think about that is, is like, a lot of us feel that way too. We just don't really talk about it. We're frustrated. We're hurt. We may feel betrayed. We may feel bitter over certain things that have happened in our lives. And I think that we don't talk about this a lot at church, but did you know that a lot of people in the Bible felt the exact same way? I mean, there's tons of people in the Bible. Let me, let me give you for instance. I mean, David was a man after God's own heart, but he was often frustrated with God. You know, and he went through tough trials. You're like, he was king, but no, no, no. He had Saul, you know, the former king, try to kill him lots of times. He had to live among the Philistines at one point. His own son would try to kill him. And in his diary, he would pen this in Psalm 22. It says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me? So far from my cries of anguish. My God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer. By night, I find no rest. Maybe if you've ever been really upset over something, maybe you're upset over something now, when you lay in bed and your mind just races and you just can't find that rest and you're trying to figure it out and you're hurt and you're frustrated, God, where are you in the midst of this? Psalm 42 says this, I say to my God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by my enemy? My bones suffer mortal agony as my foes taunt me, saying to me all day long, where is your God? He's confused. He's like, God, where are you in the midst of this? I'm so frustrated. Other people were frustrated in the Old Testament too, like the great prophet Elijah. I mean, is, he's really the greatest prophet of the Old Testament. But he get, often gets really frustrated with God. 
Let me give you a backstop of this story before I get to it. Is, is Again, he has one of the greatest moments in the Old Testament, definitely a climax, a spiritual moment, is when he is battling the prophets of Baal up on Mount Carmel. And he goes to King Ahab and he says, like, how long are you going to decide whether the Lord is God or Baal is God? Let's have this contest. Whatever God answers by fire is the real God. And King Ahab said, that's a great idea. So they go up on this mountain, they build these altars, and they slaughter these bulls on top of it. And they say, the God that comes down from fire from heaven is the real God. And, and so uh, Elijah says to the prophets of Baal, you guys go first. And so all morning they're crying out, Baal, 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 and, and just nothing for hours. They start cutting themselves. They start offering sacrifice, Baal, Baal, and just nothing. And Elijah's like, okay, my turn. And so he gets up and he says, God, would you just answer my prayer? And when he says that, what happens? Fire from heaven comes down, consumes everything. And then he says to the people there, get the prophets of Baal. And they go and they murdered the 450 prophets of Baal. Thus eliminating them, or so he's thought. After that, though, is really the low point in Elijah's life, though. What happens is, is he runs. Because Ahab, King Ahab and Jezebel, want to kill him. And in fact, they've made a pact that they're going to kill him. 1 Kings 19.4 says this, He came to a broom bush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. This is the great prophet Elijah. And he's at the end of his rope. He's so hurt. He's so frustrated. He's like, God, I've had enough. I've had enough, Lord. He said, take my life. I'm no better than my ancestor. He feels like a complete, utter failure. Why? Because he feels like the people that he serves don't love God. He goes on to say in 1 Kings 19, 14, he replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left. And now they're trying to kill me. He feels all abandoned. He feels all alone. Other people in, in, in the Bible struggle with things. Joseph's brother sold him into slavery. That's pretty much putting the fun in dysfunction family. Isn't that true? You know what I mean? Like, you imagine, you know, your own family betraying you. And that, is there anything worse than the people closest to you betraying you? Joseph had to go through that. Zacchaeus was the chief tax collector. And by all accounts, he had a really good life. He was really successful, had lots of money. But he was empty on the inside. He was looking for something, even though he had gotten a lot of things in life. The woman at the well was so shameful that she didn't want to be around anyone. Why? Because of her past sexual sin, because of her past relationships. She didn't want anybody to know she had such shame. Proverbs 19, uh, 69, sorry, says this. It says, in their hearts, humans plan their course. Isn't it true? Like, we all plan good things what we want in our head, you know what I mean? We plan our courses, and none of us plan, hey, I want to be really frustrated, I want to be angry, I, I want to be, you know, bitter over life. None of us plan those things. We plan a good course, but what happens? But the Lord establishes their steps, but the God's in control. We're going to keep looking forward at our film, and what happens is this is Jin, and this is going to be her grown up, and you can go ahead and, and bring that up. And they asked her, you know, when's the last time you talked to your father? And she said it was about like 15 years ago. Any idea where your father's been all this time? And Jin says this, is, I like to think he's dead. It makes things easier. I think we sometimes feel that way with God. Lots of people do feel that way with God. Like, I'll just keep him in arms. Like, if he's just dead, then I pretend he doesn't exist. Then it, it kind of makes it easier. But in, in my next clip, go ahead. You're going to see Jin. This is Galen Urso as a hologram. And this is Sagarera, the person who rescued her, but would eventually end up abandoning her when she was a child as well. So she's been all abandoned by a bunch of different people. 
Go ahead and roll it. This is the message I was sent. And if you can bring down the house lights just a hair up front so they can see a little bit better, that'd be so, awesome. If you are watching this, then perhaps there's a chance to save the Alliance. Perhaps there's a chance to explain myself, and though I don't dare hope for too much, a chance for Jen, if she's alive, if you can possibly find her, to let her know that my love for her has never faded, and how desperately I've missed her. Jen, my stardust. I can't imagine what you think of me. When I was taken, I faced some bitter truths. I was told that soon enough Krennic would have you as well. As time went by, I knew that you were either dead or so well hidden that he would never find you. I knew if I refused to work, if I took my own life, it would only be a matter of time before Krennic realized he no longer needed me to complete the project. So I did the one thing nobody expected. I lied. I learned to lie. I played the part of a beaten man resigned to the sanctuary of his work. I made myself indispensable, and all the while, I laid the groundwork of my revenge. We call it the Death Star. There is no better name, and the day is coming soon when it will be unleashed. I've placed a weakness deep within the system, a flaw so small and powerful they will never find it. But Jen, Jen, if you're listening, my beloved, so much of my life has been wasted. I try to think of you only in the moments when I'm strong because of the pain of not having you with me. Your mother, our family, the pain of that loss is so overwhelming I risk failing even now. It's just so hard not to think of you. Think of where you are. My stardust. So, the reactor module, that's the key. That's the place I've laid my trap. It's well hidden and unstable. One blast to any part of it will destroy the entire station. You'll need the plans, the structural plans for the Death Star to find the reactor. I know there's a complete engineering archive in the data vault at the Citadel Tower on Scarif. Any pressurized explosion to the reactor module will set off a chain reaction that will destroy the entire station. So this is the climax, what happens. She has an encounter with the father and realizes that what? The dad still is good. He stayed true to the cause. And what? He still really does love me. It's just things didn't go exactly how she anticipated or how she planned. This is why I picked this movie, because this is the true spiritual theme of our lives. As often we can be hurt, disappointed, frustrated. And then what happens? We have an encounter with the father and what happens? Life makes sense. It's kind of like this, and you guys have been complaining, many of you have been saying, Keith, you haven't been using as many illustrations, so here you go. All those people, here you go. This is, this is my illustration, so here it is. And so what happens is, is, like, this is how life goes, I think, a lot of the time, is we're trying to figure it out. Like, what's going on here? You know, we're, we're trying to unlock it, because we want life to make sense, don't we? And so we're confused, and we may go to other people, and, you know, I could go to my friend Tim here, and he could help, and we could yank on this all day. It's not going to be able to come undone. It's too strong. It just doesn't, we're never going to have the strength to be able to do it. And then what happens, though, is we have an interaction with the Father. You have that moment with God, and maybe it's reading your devotionals. Maybe it's coming to church. Maybe it's that Bible study. Maybe it's that conversation with the godly person. And what happens is, is then life, and let me get it right 
Nothing like building up your illustration and then not going how you wanted it to. Life makes sense, isn't it? Isn't that the best moment in your life? It's the climax of your life when things are disappointed, you're frustrated, and all of a sudden, life makes sense. It's like my chains are gone. I've been set free. And when you have that moment in your life, life makes sense. God does love me. He does really care about me. And there was a plan and a purpose behind everything that happened. And then you want to tell other people about him. The Father is the key to be set free. Let's look at some of those people I just talked about, like Zacchaeus, okay? Again, he had a really good life. He was the chief tax collector, had lots of money, had lots of things going for him. Has an encounter with Jesus and what happens? He says in Luke 8, 8, I'm sorry, 1980, he says, Look, Lord, here now I give half my possessions to the poor. If I've cheated anyone out of anything, I will pay them back four times the amount. Because tax collectors were what? Liars and cheaters and thieves. And he says, listen, God, I've had this encounter with you. I want to make it right. Because why? He found a greater purpose in life. The woman at the well, remember, she's so shameful. She comes out at noon, you know, so there's no one there. So she can get her water, and that way she doesn't have to be, you know, bugged by anyone because she doesn't want to see anyone because of her shame. She has one interaction with Jesus, has one encounter, and they have a conversation. And then what happens is, is in John 4, 28 and 29, says, Then, leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, Come, see a man who told me everything I had ever did. She has a real encounter with Jesus, and what happens? The chains are gone, and then she's going back to the people that she was too shameful and, and didn't want to talk to before and says, Listen, come listen to this guy. He set me free. Her faith then becomes action. That's what we want in our lives, is when we have that real encounter with Jesus, we want to tell everyone, listen, he set me free. This is the greatest thing ever. Let's go back to Elijah in 1 Kings 19, 11, and 12. And so again, he's at the low point of his life. He wants to die. Then a great and powerful wind tore through the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. Imagine this tornado coming in, this mighty powerful, and you just see it coming before you. You'd be scared. And it's ripping it apart. But it says the Lord wasn't in that. And then an earthquake comes. After the wind, there was an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And again, these two mighty, powerful things. Verse 12, then after the earthquake came a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. A whisper is what? It's intimate. It's only supposed to be heard by one person. And so God calls Elijah to the mouth of the cave. He says, Elijah, come here, Elijah, come here. He says, what are you doing here, Elijah? And Elijah gives him the spill. I've been very passionate for you. I've been very zealous for you. But in case you haven't noticed, no one cares. I want to die. I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to be your prophet. And God says, Elijah, in a whisper, he says, listen, you haven't failed. You're going to name this person to be king. They're going to take care of some things. And more importantly, I'm going to give you Elijah. I'm going to give you a companion. You're going to train him. You're not going to be alone anymore. And more importantly, you haven't failed. So you think you know more than what you really do. There's 7,000 Israelites that have never put their knee down to Baal, and they're going to serve them, and you are going to help them draw closer to God. Elijah then goes on to be the great prophet Elijah that we know then in the rest of his life. The confusion and fear, the doubt, it's taken away. Why? Because God made it clear. Joseph's brothers, they sold him in the, in the, in the, in the slavery. Again, the, the dysfunction, the fun and dysfunction. But Genesis 50, 20 is a wonderful verse. It says, you meant evil against me. This is Joseph talking to his brothers. You meant evil against me. But what happened? But God used it for good. He had a plan. 
and it's all right, I'm not mad at you anymore. Jen is going to take up the cause of her father, just like we do when God reveals himself to us. We take up the cause, we want to do those things. And that's what we're going to see in the next scene. And she's going to be bleeding the cause to who? The leaders of the rebellion, of the, of the alliance, because she's going to want them to go fight. Go ahead and roll my next footage. We must scatter the fleet. We have no recourse but to surrender. Are we really talking about disbanding something that we've worked so hard to create? We can't just give in. We joined an alliance, not a suicide pact. We've only now managed to gather our forces. Gather our forces? General Draven's already blown up an Imperial base. A decision needed to be made. If it's war you want, you'll fight alone. If that's how it's going, why have an alliance at all? If she's telling the truth, we need to act now. Counselors, please. It is simple. The Empire has the means of mass destruction. The Rebellion does not. A Death Star? This is nonsense. What reason would my father have to lie? What benefit would it bring him? To lure our forces into a final battle to destroy us once and for all. Risk everything. Based on what? The testimony of a criminal. The dying words of her father, an Imperial scientist. Oh, don't forget the Imperial pilot. My father gave his life so that we may have a chance to defeat this. So you've told us. If the Empire has this kind of power, what chance do we have? What chance do we have? The question is what choice? Run, hide, plead for mercy, scatter your forces. You give way to an enemy this evil with this much power and you condemn the galaxy to an eternity of submission. The time to fight is now. Yes. Every moment you waste is another step closer to the ashes of Jeddah. Just let the girl speak. Send your best troops to Scarif. Send the rebel fleet if you have to. You need to capture the Death Star plans if there's any hope of destroying it. You're asking us to invade an Imperial installation based on nothing but hope. Rebellions are built on hope. There is no hope. I say we fight! I say the rebellion is finished! I'm sorry, Jim. Without the full support of the Council, the odds are too great. And so she goes and she pleads the Father's cause. And do they believe her? They don't. And again, it's, it's this telling scene. Here's the scene of all these leaders, the people that are the influencers, the ones who can make the greatest change. And they don't listen to her because leaders often have too much to lose, that they don't lead, they don't take action because there's too much. And it started to make me think about other people in the, in the Bible, like the rich young ruler. By all counts, he was a really good guy. You know, he didn't sin, he didn't have any, you know, he's murdered anyone or anything like that. And he has an encounter with the Father, just like these other people. And instead of being set free, this is what happens in Luke 18, 22 and 23. Jesus says, if you want to be perfect, you know, go sell off all your possessions. I'm sorry, verse 22, when you heard this, he said, you still lack one thing, sell your possessions you have and give to the poor. Then you'll have your treasures in heaven, then come follow me. When he heard this, he became very sad because he was very wealthy. He has an encounter with the Father and says, listen, the cost is too great. We don't know his name. You know, we know Peter, James, John. We know the people, we know the disciples, and they were common people. But this was an impertinent leader. We don't know his name. Why? Because he wasn't willing to make that sacrifice. He wasn't really willing to take action. 
Are we willing to take action? That's what I want to question you. Mark 11, 27, and 28. When they arrived in Jerusalem, this is Jesus talking to the, uh, to the Pharisees, the, the Sadducees, the religious leaders. While Jesus was walking in the temple courts, the chief priests, that's the highest person, the teachers of the law and the elders came to him. By what authority are you doing these things, they asked, and who gave you the authority to do this? And they're questioning him. Like, why are you doing this? What authority are you doing this by? Because what? They're the leaders, and he's making them look bad to Rome. They don't want to follow him because they want to keep the authority that they have. They're an oppressed people. The Israelites were at this point. These Jews, they don't have good-paying jobs. One of the best-paying jobs is what? Being a Pharisee or a religious leader. And so these authorities, you know, he's, you know, making, Jesus is making the authorities look bad. And he's, they've seen the miracles. They've seen him talk. And instead of interacting, going, yeah, there's something to this guy. They won't do it because they don't want to lose their way of life. They don't want to be inconvenienced. They won't take action. Let me show you one final clip. I'm going to wrap up. And this is Cassian. This is like the good bad guy, you know, in the film. He's an assassin. He's a spy. He's, he's a manly man. I like him. And so that's where he, we're going to see him. And he's going to give a great speech. Him and Jen are going to be in the last scene. So go ahead. You don't look happy. They prefer to surrender. And you? Mm-hmm. She wants to fight. So do I. We all do. The force is strong. I'm not sure four of us is quite enough. How many do we need? What are you talking about? They were never going to believe you. I appreciate the support. But I do. I believe you. I'd like to volunteer. Some of us, most of us, we've all done terrible things on behalf of the rebellion. Spies, saboteurs, assassins. Everything I did, I did for the rebellion. And every time I walked away from something I wanted to forget, I told myself it was for a cause that I believed in. A cause that was worth it. Without that, we're lost. Everything we've done would have been for nothing. I couldn't face myself if I gave up now. None of us could. It won't be comfortable, a bit cramped, but we'd all, we'd all fit. We can go. Hey, you're up. Grab anything that's not Nathan. Go, go, go! Jin, I'll be there for you. Cassian said I had to. used to people sticking around when things go bad. Welcome home. And so the leaders don't believe Jin because there's too much to lose. But the men of action do believe her because of who, because of who Jin was, because of her character. 
You know, and what has happened is, is Cassian has seen her develop as a person. He's seen her character arc. And it's like, I see what she's doing, and I want to buy in. And Cassian is a man of action, too, because what's he say? He's like, everything I've tried to, you know, I've tried to walk away from this. But I told myself what? It was for a cause I believed in. I told myself it was for a cause that was worth it. And I can't walk away now. I think most of you know where I'm going to go with this spiritually. But we need to be men and women of action. I'm going to wrap up the film real quick, and then I'm going to make all my spiritual tie-ins. So what happens is they fly off the scarf. You know, these ragtag Rogue One, all these little guys, you know, in one little plane. And, and so they fly in there. They sneak in. Cassian and Jin are trying to go get the Death Star plans so they can save the galaxy. And these other just rebels, when, they, when Cassian gives them the nod, they all just start fighting and fighting and sacrificing their lives and fighting. Well, in the midst of this, what happens is the leaders hear what has taken place and what has transpired. That they have gone rogue. That this group of people is going and, and fighting. And so what happens is it inspires the rest of the group, the rest of the alliance to say, we have to go fight with them. We have to go help them. And so the rest of the fleet comes along. And they're fighting and some of the fleet gets in and they're, you know, and they're fighting and they're dying. And they've inspired everyone by their what? By their action. And in the midst of it, Jin and Cassian get the plans for the Death Star and they send it up so that they can you know, get the plans so that Luke can save the day in episode four. There's my Star Wars nerd coming out right there. And so they're going to save the day. But what happens is, is in the midst of it, the actual Death Star itself shows up and blows up the planet. You can go ahead and show the last scene is this. It's his Jin and Cassian paying the ultimate sacrifice as the, as the weapon that they were trying to destroy and get the plans for actually destroys them. People aren't always going to believe our words. Even when you have those great moments with God and life makes sense, go ahead and tell them about it. But you know what's really going to make a bigger, you know, you know, impact for God is your actions. When they can't argue with our actions, when we love people, when we when we're the people that God wants us to be, those are the greatest testimonies that we can be. I want to read some verses for you, then I'm going to wrap it up. This is Luke, or I'm sorry, Matthew 5, 16. It says, in the same way, let your light shine before others. They may see your what? They may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. When God has unlocked you and life makes sense, you want to glorify God. Let your actions, your good deeds, let other people see it and go, man, there's something different about that person. I want to be like them. 1 John 3, 18 says, dear children, let us not love with words and speech, but with what? With action." And in truth. Because with action, what happened? Other people see that and they go, I want to be like them. Remember I talked about it in the earlier in, the, in, the, um, in my presentation, the movie Mirror. When you watch that main character and you associate with them and you're like, could I be like them? You project yourself on them. I want to be like that person. Look how they've grown, how they've changed. When we live our lives like that spiritually, other people look at them and go, I want to be like that person. You may be thinking of someone that right now in your life that has had a huge spiritual impact on you. You're like, I want to be like them because of their actions. They're different than everyone else. Romans 12, 2 says, do not conform to the pattern of this world. Be, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Actions lead to purpose. When you don't take action, what happens is we flounder spiritually. We, it's, it's anything in life. When you don't take action and do things, then your purpose and why you exist and the, and the why in life just dies out. But when you're taking action, you feel like you have purpose and you're making differences in your life and other people's life. 
Matthew 28, 19, this has been the call of our, you know, of our denomination for the last 150 years. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. My good friend Ash always says this to me. Which part of the go don't you understand? The G or the O? Go. And so that's what I want to invite you to do, is to go rogue. By your actions. Don't worry about everyone else, you know, always wanting to be with you and, and agreeing with what you do. Make the actions that God wants you to be and what God wants you to do. Because I want you to understand that the Bible is filled with people, of people who went rogue. Noah built an ark before it had ever rained before. That's pretty rogue. Abraham left all his family, everything he knew, all his finances, and up and left. Why? Because God told him to. He went rogue. David fought a giant. He had to step out. There was all these other warriors that wouldn't fight him. But he went rogue and said, I'll do it myself. The disciples themselves, every single one of them, they had to go rogue. They all left what they knew and went to follow Jesus. Your actions will always speak louder than your words. And when the Son has set you free, live that life. I want you guys to bow your heads, and I'm going to close this in one final prayer. God, the people who take action make a difference. And that's what we want to do. We want to be people that make difference in this world. So God, I pray that we would take the actions that, we, that you want us to do. It may be just joining a Bible study. It may be helping your neighbor. It may be, you know, witnessing to that person in the cubicle next to you. Whatever it is, God, give us the power and the authority and the courage to take action. Because those are the people that make a difference. I also want to pray for the certain people here who, who felt like maybe, you know, when I used the, uh, the lock illustration that, that you, God, have just not revealed yourself and felt free. And, then, and if that's you today, keep looking for God. Keep coming here. Keep reading your Bible. Keep talking to godly people. And God, I just pray that you would meet those people in a special way that their lives would make sense for the first time. And let them be people of action as well. God, as we walk out this door, Let's be the men and women of God that you called us to be. And we pray this all in your precious name. Amen. I love you so much. God bless you. If you have any questions, please feel free to come up and talk to me. You are dismissed.